Hey, this is John Legadakis of johnlegadakis.com and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of an interview I do each week with other internet marketers, personal development and business leaders where we talk about how we can better promote our products and services online, get more traffic and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Hello and welcome to the podcast, everyone. It's great to have you here. Thank you so very much for joining us. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Corey Poirier, all the way from Canada. Thank you very much for joining us, Corey. My pleasure, John. Excited to be here. Uh, let me tell you a bit about Corey. He, Corey is a TEDx speaker, international best-selling author, and award-winning speaker. Corey has personally interviewed more than 3,000 enlightened super achievers. The list of those include people such as Jack Canfield, author or co-author of Chicken Soup series, Darren Hardy of Success Magazine, Tony Horton, P90X, Mari Smith, John Gray, the author of Men of Mars, Women of Venus, and thousands of more so and he's he's been dubbed or called the modern day napoleon hill so look we're we're really privileged to have you Corey, with us on the podcast and what i like to do Corey, to to get started is i like to learn a bit about our guests like what made them who they are today so you know a bit about you Corey, the person growing up your family, influences, where you grew up, and maybe leading into why you do or how to got you got to where you are today. Yeah, so, John, I guess sort of the, the backstory, if you will, is that I grew up in a small little town. Um, it was actually called a town at the time. Now they, now they call it a city, but I still don't know if it's <laughs> big enough to be qualified as a city, um, maybe technically. But I uh, grew up in a small little town, and raised by a single mother, that played a, and I always add that in because that played a really big part in who I am today and in my sort of life story and journey, if you will, uh, because it, it really just altered, I guess, my view on things. Like I was raised by um, a lady who really uh, showed me, you know, what it takes to, uh, to get ahead in life. And she was always sort of accomplishing multiple things despite uh, raising me by yourself for some of those years. And so that played a big part in my sort of journey, if you will. And then uh, growing up in a small town, as, as mentioned, I had a small little family as well, but it was a, you know, kind of a humble upbringing. And I got to see even my grandfather, for instance, was a big part of that because he he was a, a carpenter with a grade three education, and I watched him build as an example a uh, a, a space shuttle replica, fully wow. to scale, uh, one of only six in the world. And you know here you know he had a bag of nails and a hammer and a grade three education, <laughs> and, and I saw him do that at seven years of age. And I used to go out and visit while he was building it, and I think, believe it or not, that played a really big part, more than people would probably realize, in me believing that you could achieve anything you wanted to and that your your background didn't have to dictate your future yeah so awesome. that was a big part of, of sort of my upbringing as well and then i guess you know to fast forward a whole bunch of years because really there wasn't a whole lot of 
super exciting things that happened during those formative years, if you will. Um, I guess one thing that also played a big part in, in who I am today is, and it sounds again strange that I might bring this up, but um, I passed my like my last year of high school. I graduated, but one of the teachers gave me a 49 plus one and a 50 was a pass. So what he he wanted me to know was that I didn't actually pass his class, but I was at, on at 49 and kind of like he, he was going to say, well, I'm not going to fail you and keep you repeating a whole year and all that <laughs> stuff over one point. But I also want you to know you didn't earn it. And that really, right. really, I guess, I, I struck a chord with me of the idea that I early graduated high school. Um, again, you know, another one of those moments that you remember in your life that just really played a big part. And another one as well uh, was I had a, a vice principal basically tell me I wasn't going to amount to anything. And that, you know, served as kind of like, uh, I actually just had a, a quote I shared the other day said, don't let your tormentors be your mind renters. Mm-hmm. And so, really what I was saying. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, continue. Sorry, Corey. Keep going. Oh, no, no worries. I was just going to say basically that uh, I really believe that in a lot of ways that comment by him served as a motivator for me to um, to actually go out and, and, and prove, not necessarily him wrong, but prove I could do the things he was saying I couldn't do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, Corey, is those kind of results that you're getting like academically and, and the, the your, your vice um sorry with the vice um what's the title you gave him the vice principal yeah yeah so saying you're not going to amount to anything i mean were you a terror in sort of like in in school or tell us a bit more about that why why were you getting those kind of you know because that's that's pretty terrible for for a vice principal to to say that about someone yeah absolutely so uh, I guess the the best way to explain it, I wasn't a terror. Uh, what what I mean, I was in a situation where my mother, who I mentioned, was a big influence in my life. But at the same time, she was kind of raised, and I think this actually helped me. But you know, of course, parents today, some parents might think it was wrong that she did this, but she kind of felt I should sort of learn from my own mistakes. Mm-hmm. So because of that, uh, if I, as an example, if I wanted to skip a class. She didn't, you know, she didn't punish me or didn't get mad about that. And, and, you know, even to put it in her, I mean, to put it from her perspective, so a person could understand my mother uh, finished grade 10 and left school. I mean, obviously it was a lot different back then, but she didn't finish high school. She went back for upgrading years later, but she didn't actually finish high school the first go around. So I think her feeling was, it's hard for me to get mad at him. Whenever I actually didn't, where where some people will kind of say, uh, "Do what I say, not what I did." Yeah, she kind of said, "You know what? I did it too, so I'm not going to punish him for it." So, long story short, is that I think that played a big part in it. So, I wasn't a terror, but I certainly, I w- I didn't get punished as much as maybe friends of mine would if they weren't studying at night. <laughs> you know, I would go to maybe the pool hall and hang out with friends and play pool. Uh, and and video games back in the arcade days uh, mm-hmm. rather than rather than studying and doing homework. So what happened, uh, John, was that classes that I was passionate about, so business and accounting, I actually did my homework. I even would, uh, if so for some reason I had to do, do it that day, I would do it the day morning before I went to class. I would even use my morning before I even started school 
to do the homework for courses or classes I really liked. So the stuff I was passionate about, mm. but the stuff that I wasn't passionate about, I really didn't put any any effort. So the 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 course that I uh, that I got the forty nine plus one was history, right. and right. I, I I mean it's funny now I'm I'm more now I'll read a book about history, but then I I just couldn't see the value or benefit in the real world of how is I going to apply this. So so that that was kind of the reason, and then the reason for uh, the not amount to anything, and also probably the reason for the forty nine plus one was we were allowed in the school we were in. It, it, it's funny we said allowed, but it was kind of like they were saying you can't miss more than. 20 days. And I think they did that for, and that's per semester. So per half year. And they did that, I believe, because of people that might be sick for three weeks or whatever, they, they just kind of wanted to put a, a limit on it, mm-hmm. but to give something that was allowable. But what happened is they, it was the letter of the law. So, uh, so what happened was we would basically miss 19 days every semester. <laughs> you know, so, so we like, especially the last, so whenever I get the 49 plus one, that was of course the finish of the year. So that's getting into spring and summer. So we lived in a, you know, an Island where you're surrounded by beaches everywhere. So we would just go to the beach for like days near the end of the year straight. So it's kind of hard to get a, a high mark. And of course you're not a class you're not passionate about if you're not actually there. Yeah. Um, so what happened was this vice principal was basically picking up on that stuff. So we had free periods as well during the day. You'd have one free period. Um, so, you know, he would see me, what I would do every now and then is I would kind of make it a morning off. <laughs> so I would take my free period, which is one course. And then we had a second course. I would just kind of lump it together and take the second course off and play cards in the, uh, in the basically the, the hall where we ate and stuff like that. So he would see me do that. Um, you know, I smoked back at the time. So we had smoke doors. So I would kind of ask to go to the bathroom and I go out and have a smoke, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I, uh, and like I said, I would miss those 19 days. They knew I was doing that intentionally. So it was just all of an accumulation of that stuff. Yeah. So it sounds, but, it sounds like to me, Corey, you're someone that you knew what you liked and what you wanted to focus on. Like you mentioned business and accounting and things that you, you really didn't interest you you didn't want to do it just to please other people. So like, look, I'm not interested in that. So I'm not interested in that. And so, uh, and, and because one of the things I was, I mentioned to you earlier before we got, before we started that I read your, uh, sorry, I was listening to your TEDx talk, which I'm hoping we can talk a bit about in, in this podcast, but how successful people, they're very focused. And it sounds, so it sounds like you're that type of person. Like, so you look, play hard, uh, sort of work hard, play hard sort of thing. Yeah, and and so one of the things, John, that that uh, you know, I'm not going to say that on the school side, you know, I'm not going to say. Obviously, education is valuable and important, yeah. but I also feel that sometimes uh, it's kind of like we're just going to put you through this simply because this is the system that's always been in place, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's always the best approach but what you know here's what what was kind of taught to me and this is what that that vice principal said so basically i school kind of teaches you in a lot of ways that to focus on your weaknesses and strengths so they'll basically they say um and this is the part that i had a hard time with if you're good at something already and you're passionate about something already don't worry about that one just put in the effort to get the you know to get by you know, like not, not get by, but because you're already good at it, you'll get good marks anyway. But don't really go all in with that. Focus on the things that you don't like and you're not good at <laughs> to try to get them to be better. Yeah. And then what I've learned 
after interviewing all these, you know, over 4,000 enlightened super achievers, these, you know, people that have reached the top of their field over and over again, what I've learned from them is they do the exact opposite. They focus on their passions and strengths and they hire for their weaknesses. So by the way, I didn't know that in school, uh, but I was just sort of living it without knowing it. But that vice principal, we had that conversation. I didn't know the word passion. I didn't use the word passion, but I just said, you know, that's unfair to say that I won't amount to anything because I'm, I do really well in the, in the courses that I, I, I like, the ones that I'm excited about. And he said, and that's why you're going to have troubles and problems in life because you need to, you need to focus on your weaknesses and, and not worry about the stuff you're already good at. So mm. that was kind of the mentality. And, and so that for me, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I, I'd love to say I intuitively knew <laughs> that that wasn't the way you should be focusing on things, but I didn't. I just learned years later that a lot of the top achievers in the world, they did the thing that I was doing by accident. Yeah, and look, and I think in in a way, there's some truth in that. They we we do need to spend time on our weaknesses, but at the same time, I th- I understand exactly what you're saying in in that. Uh, I mean, especially when we're talking about a professional vacation, you can't be a jack of all trades and be successful, well, super successful, I should say. Yeah, not not in not in that way anyway. But you know, if there's other if there's personal weaknesses that we have, it's definitely good to work on those, but as far as knowing everything uh, trying to master everything on all different topics, yeah, that's probably not very wise, especially especially in today's world, there's just there's just so much information out there and there's just so many possibilities. It's it's crazy. Tell us a bit about after high school, what what happened to you? So after high school, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to go to the sort of the high level stuff, not to give you all the, the mini details, but basically sure. I, I stayed in this, the, the small town I mentioned for probably a few years after high school, maybe two years. Um, what I did while I was, while that, during that timeline, which was again, significant, I did go to college. Uh, I took a couple of years in business, not surprisingly, did extremely well, by the way, the flip side of what we were just talking about. I, uh, you know, in, in, at least with the programming I went to, you could either say A, B, and C, D, and Fs would be the marks, or uh, that would be basically below 50 would be an F, uh, and then you know it goes through 10s there. So basically a 90 would be an A. Um, well, in all of my, everything with college, so I went to two years of college and then a, a business program after that, and I basically was in the 90s for all of that. Hmm. So. I did extremely well and it went back to the, I was passionate about it. That's why. But to to jump ahead quite a bit, or I guess I should say to to skip ahead a little bit, um, what happened was after I finished that college, I decided to launch a business. And that was kind of a really sort of um, pivotal moment, if you will. But I launched a business publication where I was interviewing local small business owners and learning what they did really well so I could share that with the community which would be other business owners or people wanting to start a business. Uh, so similar to Success Magazine, but in the format of a small little local newspaper. And I ran that for a year. And then ultimately, to make a very long story very short, um, I started with uh, insufficient cash flow. And by the end of the year, I realized that, you know, I still uh, basically we were paying for the, the, I was paying for the publication with ad sales. But I was just paying for it. Like, I wasn't getting ahead at all. And I had to make a decision. And I had an opportunity to move across the country 
to kind of get experience of what it was like in a bigger city, uh, working with, you know, in the corporate world, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I took that and, and I moved away from my very first business and, and kind of let it sort of, I closed it, closed the doors properly, but I closed the doors and, uh, and I moved across the country and I took a position with a, uh, fortune 500 company Toshiba. You know, a lot of people would know the name Toshiba from laptops, TVs, all those kind of things. Uh, so I took a position with Toshiba and, and I stayed there for five years, uh, moving my way through from junior sales rep to sales rep to major account rep, uh, everything except for the manager, branch manager. And the reason I couldn't get there is my manager was only five years older than me and I was only in my 20s. So I realized, you know, if I wanted to move ahead, then it was time to move on. And so, uh, and I'm skipping a few things here, but basically then I, I went to, I, I moved across the country again, back closer to where I grew up and took a position with Konica Minolta, which is the same industry. Mm -hmm. uh, stayed there five years. And then, uh, yeah, and then I spent one more year working for, in the, in the, uh, the system, if you will. Uh, I worked for SAP Software for a year. And then I finally decided it was time to go it on my own. So I had been... Um, speaking part-time using my days off uh to speak part-time for since uh, from 2002 onward but then in 2006 so 10 years ago i decided it was time to sort of pull the plug and and go at it full time and so that sort of um you know as far as my kind of background that was an, another big moment because i was back into business for myself like i had been for the first part of my life and journey and Interestingly enough, I was speaking by that point for four years, and I decided that I'd never closed the door properly on that business publication I mentioned, the one that was like Success Magazine, but mm -hmm. regional. So I actually relaunched with a different name, but relaunched similar publication. And I ran that for about seven years, interviewing basically, well, I, mean, I ultimately ended up interviewing probably about 2,500 of the 4,000 people through that publication. And then that merged into, and I was still speaking all along the way, but that merged into uh, the radio show that we launched uh, four years ago. And I, I, I was running both at the same time for a short amount of time, but soon realized that the radio show with sponsors made more sense than the business publication with advertisers, especially given the, the climate we're in today for print publications versus what we were back the first time around. So that kind of brings us, I guess, up to present day because... Uh, I have the radio show now and I'm still speaking. So both those two things are still current. And uh, I launched a speaking program teaching other people how to how to get into the speaking game 15 years after I launched my career. And that's definitely sort of brings us full circle up to today. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing doing that, having that experience of interviewing all these successful business people, and it's and exactly who did you interview, by the way? Was it just business people? Who who are we talking about? So if, if we're talking about when I first started, uh, it was mo ma mainly business people. I mean, there wasn't, you know, there'd be the odd uh, situation where it might be somebody who is uh, a volunteer uh, who won awards for their volunteerism or, you know, might be somebody who was, um, you know, prominent in the community that was... Uh, out there making big things happen or making a positive impact in people's lives but for the most part business professionals and leaders and so you know to give people a perspective today you know if i kind of look back at those interviews you sort of mentioned some of the names in the bio um, but it would be tony horton from p90x olympic gold medalists nhl hockey players um, actors musicians 
I think you mentioned Jack Canfield's The Chicken Soup for the Soul co-creator. John Gray, The Men Are From Mars guy. James Redfield, uh, who wrote The Celestine Prophecy. Shailene Johnson, The Turbo Jam creator. So basically, what what I was really trying to do is I made a list of people in 2010 that I wanted to interview. And I set it as a goal to see how many of them I could reach. And the people that I, I, I approached, I tried to go after people that basically became the one percenters in their own field. They, they were mm-hmm. unequivocally yeah. rose to the top. Either they created their own niche and field or they, no, like by almost anybody's definition, are either the top person in their field or in the top three. Yeah. And that must have been... That must be an amazing experience to, to have done that and to continue to do that because just associating, even if you get to spend even just a little bit of time with these high achievers, I mean, I've I found just just with my own podcast and the people I've interviewed, they're not in the range that you're talking about, but I've interviewed a lot of people that are more successful than I am and it always rubs off on me. I always find I, I get something from it, just speaking to them, getting those insights, just having that association, again, even if it's for a small amount of time. And I remember, I can't remember who said it, but they said if you look at your five closest friends and you divide their their income, that's pretty much how much, you, and you average their income, I should say. Take their five, their five closest friends, add their income, divide it by five, whatever that figure is, that's pretty much how much you're making. And it's not just about the money. We're talking about, personal strengths as well so if you're hanging out with people that have a lot of uh good qualities about them that that rubs off on you too so i'm sure it's been it's done a lot for your life i'm guessing your own you know your own journey yeah absolutely so you know john there's a great quote too by i think it's charlie tremendous jones who came up with this quote or that's where i heard it cited but basically he said the only difference between the you of today and the you of five years time will be the books that you read and the people that you meet yeah. And so I kind of look at that. It, it'll be what you feed your mind and who you surround yourself with. And so basically I'm getting the best of both worlds because, you know, I'm surrounding myself with the people that we're interviewing and I'm getting the and I'm feeding my mind based on what they're sharing with me. Um, I kind of look at it like they're sort of my, you know, I, I they're my mentorship program. <laughs> I kind of design my own mentorship program and then reach out to the people I want to learn from and then decide what I want to ask them. And so, yeah, absolutely. It's sort of the best of both worlds. And, you know, even in terms of how it's impacted my life, what what happened is there were things that I were doing, I was doing that I changed dramatically because of what I learned during those and have learned and continue to learn during those interviews. So as an example, the top three things that I've that we've discovered with these high achievers, uh, if I go in reverse order, so the the least common to the most common, but mind you, all three of them are very, you know, they're they're in the top 80% of what they do as habits and traits. But uh, the first one, uh, it would be focus. You talked about it. So the power of being completely focused and in the moment and going all in. So what we've discovered is that they're, they really get the idea of how to avoid the distractions and go all absolutely all in. So if they're with the phone, they're with the phone. If they're with the person, they're with the person, but they never mix the two. So I learned mm-hmm. that and, and I watched it even in the interviews. Like I'm interviewing people who I'm sure have three phones. You know, they're running uh, <laughs> multiple businesses. They're yeah. juggling more things than most people could imagine. And yet they're with me two hours and I'd never even know they owned a cell phone. So 
I watched that and we, we kind of, I'm going to say we, we basically observed, researched, and then we documented it. And that was one of the traits. So what I did was I made changes in my life. For instance, my phone, uh, it's always on silence in terms of texts and, and buzzing and all that. And then not only that, when somebody's calling me, it's always also on forward. So when somebody calls, it actually goes to my office. So for me, I don't have the distraction because I don't even know if the distraction is happening. Because they say that um, checking your phones and, and seeing messages come in and hearing them come in releases dopamines and endorphins. So they say it's basically like it's a natural high. So this is, you know, a habit that we created. And so uh, if it's kind of inside in mind, outside out of mind, so it's just like if you don't want to eat ice cream every night, you don't have ice cream in the fridge. Well, you know, it's your phone. I mean, uh, you know, I discovered that if I was, if I have it on, it's ringing or buzzing on my hip or even vibrating, I'm going to be distracted. I'm going to be thinking, what's that about? I wonder. So by what I've seen these high achievers do, I basically started emulating that. I found ways to take that into my life. How could I be that focused and that all in? And then the second one was uh, we've learned that lifelong learners are leaders. And to put that in perspective, I didn't read my first book until I was 27. The book was uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Uh, I read it twice in a row. And then from that point forward, I started reading three to five books a month. And so what I did, and, and so that came from me learning that that's what high achievers did. But even further than that, in one specific interview, I asked the person, uh, this person we interviewed who essentially was diagnosed with four-stage cancer and told she had two months to live and no hope. And she decided that wasn't in the cards for her. That wasn't, she wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't acceptable. So basically she wanted to learn how to put cancer in remission, which, you know, most people would say it's not possible at that stage, but she learned that if she could turn her body alkaline, cancer couldn't survive. Yeah. So she, and she wrote uh, two books. Uh, one was called um, Balance on that exact subject. So essentially she was able to put her cancer in remission. And I asked her how she knew what to read and what to feed her mind if you only have two months to do it. And she basically said she went out and talked to people that she knew had the knowledge of how to do it. And she asked them what they read and what they watched and what they listened to. And if it came up three or four times or more, that's what she dived into first. So I started bringing that into my life. And so that's how I decide what I'm going to read is I kind of see what I'll go to the list of people that I admire and see what they're reading. You know, I find, find ways to seek out or what's, what's been a bestseller, um, you know, for seven years, like something like, um, uh, say Stephen Covey, seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. You know, when you hear about a book like that, or, or you go on interviews like this and you hear the same book come up over and over again, uh, or I'm interviewing somebody and we'll ask them what you read and it keeps coming up and I hadn't discovered it yet. I dive in or Ted talks. I'll say, what are the most popular Ted talks that are impacting people? And I'll dive in. So once I learned that feeding your mind was so powerful, I started putting my own learning plan in place. And then finally, uh, this one here was kind of already in place, but I just found new ways to tap into it. But the most common trait we've discovered in our interviews is that uh, these people are living on purpose. They spend most of their time living on their purpose and find, like it's almost like the hiring for your weaknesses. And they basically find a way not to do the things that is, is not their purpose or not their passion. And so what I did was I came up with a mission statement, a personal mission statement. And mine is basically to be the person who inspires, motivates, donates, educates, and entertains. And so once I know that those are the five things that I want to be doing most of the day, then it becomes easy to say no to the things that don't fall in line with that. So I built that personal mission statement based on learning that the highest of achievers spend most of their time in their sweet spot. 
And I wanted to have a way to make sure I wasn't spending time out of my sweet spot. And how I do that is if I'm taking on something and I ask myself if it's those five things, am I doing those five things, and only one or two come up, that tells me that's a no, I shouldn't be doing it. So that's so that little mini thing I just shared with you in less than five minutes is talking about rubbing off. Those are the ways I changed my life based on what I learned during these conversations. Yeah, excellent, excellent points, and definitely we can get a lot out of that. Especially, I think one that that point that you mentioned too about the phone, uh, our smartphones. I think a lot of us are guilty of that, and it's sucking a lot of potential and time out of our lives i'm totally guilty i'm totally guilty of that myself look and if people want to Corey, if people want to hear some of these interviews that you're doing with these high achievers where do they go to listen to it or read it i guess the so i'll say the hub is the passion cure.com so that's the hub meaning that's the the main website um, if a person types in conversations with passion which is the name of the, is a show conversations with passion.com it'll still forward them to that same website uh, the other area John is of course the traditional platforms today traditional uh, iHeartRadio, stitcher um, blog talk radio iTunes satellite radio uh, we're on all the sort of main hubs as well um, or main platforms but that main kind of spot that i mentioned that's where you can kind of just go directly right now press play and start listening to interviews all right fantastic Corey, is there any final thoughts that you have for our listeners today i guess you know what i would tell the listeners is to if you haven't found your passion yet you have to find your passion i mean i just mentioned it's the most common trait by far and above uh so you know, whatever it takes. And I mean, myself, we have a kind of a system that we help people through to find their passion. Um, and, you know, I don't obviously don't have time to share that today, but, um, you know, if they want, they can reach out to me, go to the, the passioncure.com I mentioned, and all their social media links are there. And my email, you can go through to contact me to send me an email, um, you know, send me an email or get in touch with us and we will uh, share with them the little system we use for helping people find their passion. But I guess what I would share, John, is, to make sure to find your passion, uh, whatever that takes. And a second one for those people that maybe have found their passion, uh, you know, I'll share a Zig Ziglar quote that I think sums it up as well. And it's another thing that I talk about, but basically um, there's a great Zig Ziglar quote that says, uh, you can have almost anything you want in life if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. And I'm paraphrasing that quote, but the gist is if you add, value constantly to people's lives you'll ultimately get what you're get, what you're aiming for as well yeah Zig Ziglar, I, I love Zig Ziglar stuff and that's actually one of my favorite quotes and I try to live my life that way I, I recently had to start a new business and that's exactly what I did what you just mentioned there Corey thought okay what am I passionate about because the industry that I'm in there's many things I could could have chosen to do uh, there's many different opportunities but that's that's what I said to myself. I asked myself that question, and and I look forward. I actually look forward to what I do every day. So it's not a chore. So it makes a huge difference. Look, I really appreciate you being on the show with us, Corey, and sharing these great insights. We wish you all the very best in everything you're doing. Again, thanks so very much, and I want to thank everyone for being with us here today on the podcast. Thank you, John. It's been absolutely my pleasure. 
Hey, John Lagadakis here. If you got something out of today's podcast episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as each week I'm doing more of these valuable interviews. Also, share it with your friends. Now, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do so anytime through my website, johnlegadakis.com. There's also a lot of great free resources there to help you to get more traffic and leads for your business. This is John Lagadakis signing off. I'll see you all next time.